Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia, with your hosts Otto Tabuns and Joe Horgan. Latvia Museum, and welcome to episode 139 of the Latvia Weekly podcast. I am your host for today, Joe Horgan, and unfortunately, I am your only host because Otto Tabuns, my wonderful co-host, is still on his trip to Germany right now doing some work with the Baltic Security Foundation. And normally, this is the first week of school, so we would be doing our kind of uh, special 1st of September episode. I was not really able to do that this year with my students, which is one of the reasons why this episode is a little bit late. I was hoping to try to do it with my students sometime over the course of the week, but this has been a very uh, chaotic beginning of the school year, to say the least, which I will get into in just a minute. So this episode is a little bit late, but Otto and I will be back next week to read through the news together. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, what we normally do is we go through some of the biggest headlines here in Latvia and try to kind of talk through them in ways that are, uh, you know, kind of easier to understand if you don't have a whole lot of experience in this part of the world and, you know, a degree in political science, for example. So as I mentioned, this is the first week of school, and this is a very important week for me because I am a teacher. Otto is as well. Actually, Otto has been lecturing at the... Uh, Riga Graduate School of Law for a few years now already, so this is a big week for both of us. And uh, so it's a weird school year, to say the very least. One thing that's uh, a little bit unusual is actually the fact that there are more school students this year than the year before, because, uh, you know, we have been used to the amount of school students decreasing over the last few years uh, due to population decrease, which we've been hearing about a lot. Whenever there's a slow news week, there's usually some kind of report that comes out about how Latvia's population has been decreasing for a very long time now uh, due to a number of factors such as a low birth rate and also a lot of migration to other places kind of further west in the European Union and, and also elsewhere. But this year, the amount of school students in elementary or primary education and secondary education has gone up by 0.7%. So this was uh, Leta, the Latvian news agency, which reported that on the 10th of September. And I can also just say personally, the school that I teach at Yelgava Spital State Gymnasium, uh, we have the most students in our uh, history uh, this year. So we, we are also growing as well. About the school year, though, it's definitely a little bit of a strange year because what's been happening? So for the grades that I teach, which are grades 7 through 12. So the situation is that ideally everybody would be vaccinated at this point, but obviously that is not the case. There was a lot of talk over the summer over what would actually happen. Would there be a vaccine mandate and how strict would it be? And this was both for teachers and, and you know potentially for students. Uh, there was a lot of talk, a lot of blowback by teachers specifically, although teachers are one of the highest uh, vaccinated groups in the entire country, I believe it was over uh, somewhere around 70% the last time I read the number, but I don't have it off the top of my head. Uh, there are still, you know, a number of teachers who are very strongly opposed to this, uh, many who threatened to quit as well. And, you know, th- there uh, has been long a uh, shortage of teachers in Latvia uh, in any situation, you know, like aside from just this current pandemic situation. So uh, that was uh, definitely some kind of stronger leverage. I mean, you know, of course, I was listening to some political talk shows. And the other perspective was, okay, well, you know, if all these teachers leave, then where are they going to go? So, you know, there there was this kind of back and forth. But the solution that was found was that uh, people who are not vaccinated 
can be tested. Okay, so originally it was a weekly test. Okay, so it was a weekly COVID test that you would take. Um, and so uh, de facto, which is Latvia tele, um, LTV, it's Latvia's public broadcaster, they found that this was going to cost 12.5 million altogether. That was the amount that was earmarked uh, for the school year, or at least um, for the calendar year up and up until the end, uh, which is obviously a significant amount of money, uh, you know, really, really huge amount of money, specifically for people who, you know, don't want to, uh, you know, get vaccinated, which is for free, definitely a lot more cost effective for for everyone. Um, this was changed, actually, just a few days ago. So uh, Minister of Education and Science, Anita Moishnitze, and also Minister of Health, Daniels Pavlutz, they came out on Thursday, so Thursday, September 9th, and they decided that instead this is going to be every 14 days instead of just seven days, okay? So this uh, is not just for cost-effective reasons. I mean, one thing that's been a huge mess is that, you know, if you have so many students who have to get tested, there are a massive amount of tests that have to be processed by the laboratories. And this has cost a few situations. I mean, just at the you know school I teach at where, you know, uh, as of just a few hours before the you know, classes are supposed to begin, you know, the people still don't have the results back yet because laboratories were having to work, you know, uh, deep into the night. So the capacity just isn't there. I mean, of course, though, if we're only getting tested once every two weeks, and especially if the, you know, numbers are, are increasing right now, which they're expected to, you know, especially because, uh, you know, this time last year, the numbers were, were increasing um, and, and continue to do so really until uh, the end of the year. Um, you know, is this going to really be an effective way to, um, you know, uh, slow the spread of COVID-19, you know, and, and be able to keep schools open? So, um, yes, this is definitely, um, you know, going to solve some problems. But I don't know if this is going to, uh, you know, potentially uh, cause problems as well. Um, but uh, they were also talking about how there could be other uh, ways that, um, you know, this process could be streamlined and, and also improved. So one thing that the health minister said on Twitter was that, um, you know, for example, chewing tests would be um, implemented in the, in the near future as well. I don't honestly exactly know how that would work, um, but we will find out very, very soon. Um, and also, for example, uh, testing, you know, all the samples from one class at a time, for example, so uh, kind of spreading it out. So that's not just all the classes at once, you know, getting tested and this this massive bottleneck. So it would be, um, you know, for example, kind of phased out throughout the week. So that definitely, you know, will be interesting to see how that works. Um, but what's been happening, actually, you know, there, there have been um, students who are found to have COVID so far. This has been happening in schools over, all over the country. And uh, it's caused some very interesting situations where, you know, the students who are vaccinated, they're allowed to continue in person wearing masks, but the students who are not vaccinated, you know, who have just been doing the COVID tests, they have to go home and continue via distance learning. And again, this causes a huge problem for teachers because ideally, you know, you can try to lead a lesson with the students who are in person and also the students who are at home simultaneously, but the amount of technology it takes to, to make that happen, uh, it's a big, big, big issue, you know, especially if you're, uh, you know, you're not a school that's uh, blessed with as much technology as some other schools, and if you don't have the experience to do that. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's causing some big, big problems. There's also some students who, uh, up until 
ninth grade, okay, so from ninth grade on, they're not allowed to do this anymore, but uh, up until the end of eighth grade, there are some students who uh, their parents have refused to test them, refused to allow them to test. Again, these are free tests, but their parents have uh, refused to allow them to be tested and have decided instead to uh, study at home, which is not usually something that uh, has been very popular allowed outside of very specific situations here in Latvia. You know, in, in America, uh, homeschooling is a much more popular thing, you know, for, for all kinds of reasons. Um, so students, at least up until the beginning of ninth grade, are uh, allowed to do that. But the parents, uh, you know, at home, they're responsible for, you know, leading the study process and also coordinating with the uh, teachers, making sure they get the materials. That has been a big headache as well. So definitely a lot to deal with. One of the reasons why, again, this episode is a little bit uh, late, just trying to figure out how all of this is uh, supposed to work and uh, trying to make it work in some way, shape, or form. But, uh, you know, it's, I can just say personally, it's very, very nice to be back in the classroom. Uh, you know, I, because here in Latvia, for those of you who weren't following the situation, we had distance learning last year, basically all the way from October break, which is like the third week of October, till the end of the year. Um, we did have 12th graders return to the classroom uh, in the lead up to their exams. So at least uh, that was a little bit of normality. Uh, we also had some outdoor lessons in the last few weeks with um, uh, certain classes and then certain regions in Latvia where um, there was a low cumulative uh, COVID cases over you know, two weeks. Um, they were able to have you know, some in-person studies, especially at the lower levels. But uh, in general, this is the first time in a very long time that I've actually had students kind of in the classroom. And it's very, very, very nice to you know, just be back in the swing of things. And we certainly hope that that can continue. But we will have to see, of course. And just one other thing uh, about education. So, you know, every year we do talk about the shortage of teachers that we have, at least in the uh, primary school level. Um, actually, I was surprised to find that uh, Latvia has one of the lowest um, student to teacher ratios in the EU, or at least, I, I wouldn't say the lowest, but we're at least in the bottom third. So the EU average is 13 Point five uh, students per teacher, and uh, we are at 12. Um, so the highest ratio is in Romania, apparently 19.4, uh, and the lowest is Greece, which is 8.7. So, you know, definitely, I, I think it's a positive thing. I mean, um, you know, huge class sizes are um, not a pleasant thing for teachers, but of course, you know, this um, doesn't necessarily mean that every class size is, uh, you know, just uh, 12 students. I mean, you know, th this is taking into account all of the uh, teachers, you know, not just the class teachers, for example, like the music teachers, the sport teachers, for example. So, you know, the actual classroom sizes are definitely <laughs> quite a bit bigger than that in most uh, cases. So. so transitioning into some specifically related to COVID stories, and, you know, again, we try not to spend too, too much time uh, you know, on this uh, show talking about just COVID because we know that everyone is very, very sick of hearing about this all the time. Uh, but some very interesting uh, developments which have happened, uh, especially when it comes to restrictions and laws over the last, well, I guess, week or so since we've recorded the episode. So just uh, take a look at the amount of daily cases. Uh, so we'll, we'll start on the 1st of September. On the 1st of September, there's 469 new cases. Um, you know, 3rd of September, 354 yesterday, September 10th, there was 489 new cases. You know, we haven't had like a massive spike, but uh, it, we, we have had, you know, kind of a stable between, you know, 300 to, you know, kind of 450 or so new cases per day. Definitely uh, worrisome, you know, considering how, you know, last year we saw 
around, um, you know, the end of December, you know, 1800 new cases, you know, on one day. Doesn't look like we're necessarily projected to have a huge spike like that yet. Hopefully this will be the peak of this new wave. Um, but seeing what's happening in other places in the world, especially with this Delta variant, as much as I want to be optimistic, you know, we have to be realistic as well. And, um, you know, the, the ministries and also uh, Saima are, you know, being realistic as well. The Minister of Health uh, just yesterday was on uh, Latvian television or LTV1, and he was saying that uh, realistically we are going to need to have new restrictions very, very soon um, because of the amount of people in, you know, intensive care units and, you know, who have been happening in, um, you know, who, who have been had to, uh, taken to the, to the hospitals. On the other hand, though, you know, two measures which were being talked about, which are being sidelined, at least for now, well, one is being canceled outright, that is the vaccine lottery. You know, this was a plan which was very, very controversial to, you know, give out cash prizes, you know, uh, randomly to people who have been vaccinated as a way to try to get more and more people vaccinated. This was heavily criticized by a number of, you know, sectors of society, uh, you know, in terms of the, you know, whether or not this would actually have any kind of actual effect and whether this is a good use of public funds to, to do this, uh, you know, specifically taxpayer money. Uh, so this has been officially uh, sidelined or, or canceled, I guess, uh, for now. Uh, another far more kind of um, impactful uh, law which has been uh, sidelined is also this, um, I don't want to use the term compulsory vaccination because that's not exactly how it would necessarily work, but um, but this is uh, one that would allow certain sectors to um, to not allow their employees to, to come to work or to work if they do not have COVID-19 vaccinations, which again is not obligatory vaccination. It's a you know, certain requirement for people who work in a certain sector, of which there are many requirements. I mean, for example, I have to get a chest x-ray to work as a teacher every year to check for tuberculosis. So, you know, it's not um, an obligatory, you know, x-ray law, um, because it, again, uh, applies to a, a very specific, um, you know, sector for a very specific uh, reason. But this has been sidelined for now, specifically after President Levitz um, met with uh, different factions of SIMA um, to discuss this and other measures as well. So uh, we will have to see, you know, if um, I mean, you know, what we're seeing in America right now, I mean, the, you know, Joe Biden's uh, Democratic Party, you know, a bunch of the leaders were saying, you know, up until just a few months ago that, uh, you know, pretty strongly that there wouldn't be any kind of mass uh, you know, vaccine mandate, uh, but the situation there has gotten, you know, very critical in a number of places. So we'll have to see what happens here in Latvia if the situation continues to to get worse. Um, and one situation in which the situation is getting a lot worse, again, like I mentioned a little bit ago, is the uh, uh, hospitals, uh, specifically with intensive care units. And there was a number of stories that came out this week, which are um, very, you know, kind of worrisome when it comes to the situation. Uh, first of all, there are two hospitals. This was reported on September 7th. Um, which, um, oh, sorry, September 6th, this was reported September 6th, I can't read the number. Uh, this was uh, Daugapils Regional Hospital and then uh, Riga uh, University Clinical Hospital or East University Clinical Hospital, I'm not sure the exact way to translate this, but um, is also known as uh, Guy Lazares kind of more uh, commonly. These two hospitals have announced an official state of emergency due to the number of uh, COVID patients there, um, which uh, have been uh, causing a big strain on resources. And also there was a um, report on Latvian radio. This is the head of the emergency medical service, uh, Liene Tsipule, who was saying that it's getting harder and harder for 
uh, emergency teams, uh, specifically, you know, uh, ambulance teams to find uh, spaces in intensive care units for uh, COVID patients and, you know, um, uh, be able to find, you know, uh, ventilation devices, for example, and, uh, you know, beds and, and, and places to put them. So definitely not a, not a good situation there. Um, right now, there is one nurse for every two patients in the ICU, which is, again, not a good situation. Um, you know, you'd ideally want one nurse because, um, again, the, the amount of time and, and effort that it takes to look after these ICU patients is insanely intensive. And uh, this isn't just bad for the patients, it's very, very bad for the nurses themselves. And, you know, again, in a, in a democratic society, you know, ideally, yes, you, you should be able to make your own medical decisions for yourself, you know, whether or not you want to get vaccinated, whether or not you want to take, you know, certain, uh, you know, measures, wearing a mask, this and that. But the result is that these poor people who work in these hospitals, you know, the, if you do, uh, you know, for example, take a turn for the worse and, you know, because you, you didn't follow these restrictions or maybe you did follow the restrictions and, you know, you, uh, unfortunately, uh, your immune system just wasn't able to, uh, you know, put up with the, you know, Delta variant or whichever variant comes next, you know, the mu variant. Um, well, you know, they're the ones who have to deal with you. And if we, you know, if our nurses are completely and, and other medical staff are completely overtaxed or completely overstressed and, you know, aren't able to uh, work anymore, I mean, that that's a horrible situation, you know, because again, they have to do other things besides just COVID. I mean, if, you know, also, if you never catch COVID, if you're, if you're totally fine, but you get into a bicycle accident, for example, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a huge, huge, huge uh, mess. So, you know, really, uh, please, 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 everyone do what you can to, uh, you know, not uh, contribute to the situation in a bad way. Um, in general, the government is predicting that, you know, if, if, if the situation, you know, does, does continue the way it does, uh, we could have a critical situation in, you know, the hospitals in general by the end of October. Um, already Stradinch Hospital, which is uh, one of the most well-known hospitals in Riga, um, you know, a lot of, uh, provides a lot of uh, critical services which aren't available in, in other places in the country. Uh, they're already putting up modular buildings, um, you know, for, for COVID patients, uh, you know, who have to be isolated and, uh, you know, because uh, there just isn't enough space, you know, in, in other parts of the, in, of, of the hospital buildings to, um, you know, to, to, to provide the spaces and, and make sure that they're uh, sealed off from, from other patients in the hospital. So, you know, that's the COVID situation in general here. Um, again, I wish I had better news to report, but, uh, you know, from wherever you're listening in the world, um, you know, the news probably is not that much better when it comes to COVID. I do want to move on to some other domestic stories. Uh, there was a lot of other stories which were actually very, very interesting this week. Uh, very quickly, I really wish Otto was here because, you know, he is a political scientist and uh, we do have new party ratings for August. And, you know, I know that sounds kind of strange because like, well, it's already September right now, but um, SKDS, which is the major polling firm, they work together with uh, Latvian television. They, uh, you know, it takes a while to um, calculate the, um, the results of these. So this was um, towards the beginning of August, when this was uh, carried out, the uh, number one party, as it has been for a very long time already, is Saskinia, uh, or the Harmony Party. Uh, very close to each other, two, three, and four. Okay, we have uh, ZZS, the Union of Greens and Farmers, at 7.3%, the National Alliance at 7.1%, and Yaunavieno Tibor, New Unity, at 6.7%. Um, so, you know, again, not too many huge changes. So, Yaunavieno Tibor, that's the party of uh, Prime Minister Christianus Karinch. They have gone down one percentage point, but that's not a huge amount. Um, 
you know, the two numbers, which are also not surprising to see, um, I don't know is at 23% or 23.1% and I will not participate is at uh, 20%. Okay, so still a lot of people undecided. Uh, if the election were to happen tomorrow, what's very interesting is that there are 10 parties that would cross the 5% barrier. Um, and th these would be uh, Harmony, Soskina, you know, the Union of Greens and Farmers, uh, National Alliance, uh, New Unity, uh, Development 4, the Progressives, the uh, Latvian Russian Union, the Law and Order Party, which is Aldous Guobzem's party, he's had a very interesting uh, last few weeks because, again, he's been refusing to show a COVID certificate, although he technically has one um, for, you know, and, and the reason why he's not doing it, I mean, you know, good good luck trying to figure that out. But, you know, he, he has been um, involved in a lot of political theater when it comes to COVID restrictions, uh, led some protests, for example, both online and in person. Um so uh, he's been excluded from certain uh, SIMA meetings, you know, so uh, I won't get too much into that drama right now because uh, by the time Otto comes back, I'm sure that we'll have a lot more um, kind of interesting uh, things to talk about uh, with, with that situation. But but his new party, which he has founded, um, would cross the 5% barrier. Uh, the new conservative party uh, would also barely cross the barrier, but, uh, but they're uh, definitely kind of in the danger zone right now. Uh, they were the kind of... Number one, or uh, sorry, they were the number two vote getting party uh, among the non Saskina parties in the previous election. Um, and uh, they, they uh, have the highest uh, amount of seats in parliament right now, aside from Saskina. So uh, they're, they're not, uh, you know, definitely not a place that they would want to be. The Latvian Regional Alliance is also just barely at, at 5%. So, um, you know, they've been hovering around there for, for quite a while now. They were not in the last SIMA, but uh, it looks like they could have a chance of getting into the new one. Uh, in the twenty eight, uh, sorry, the twenty twenty two elections, which is just around the corner. Oh, for you in Riga, you know, one topic which has been very big lately is the topic of bike lanes. This is again an issue that I've been hearing about my entire time here in Latvia. There's been many people who have for a long time wanted bike lanes, uh, but huge opposition to it among certain you know, uh, uh, interest in the city, specifically uh, car drivers, uh, you know, th those who are very, very um, hardcore car drivers have had a number of reasons why, you know, they do not want to have these bike lanes and, and also, you know, certain businesses who, who need deliveries, for example, on, you know, uh, who can't pull up on the sidewalk as easily now with these bike barriers. Well, a uh, number of developments. So first of all, uh, lanes have been removed from Alexander Chakaila. So please be careful. This is one of the major uh, kind of thoroughfares of the center. Uh, so please be careful if you are riding your bike on Alexander Chakaila, um, you know, be aware that those bike lanes, which had been there for a few months, are no longer there anymore. Uh, this has led to protests by uh, bicycle activists uh, to try to keep those. Um, but in general, the city council has come out and said, although um, Alexander Chakaila, those uh, bicycle lanes are most likely being taken away uh, for good. Um, in general, the uh, bike lanes, which are, you are finding throughout the city, are going to stay. And these are um, specifically include these plastic poles. Um, and in, in general, you know, it seems like the city has been pushing very heavily to kind of turn Christiana Baronayila um, into kind of the main thoroughfare of bicyclists and also, uh, you know, public transport in general. You know, so... If, if you uh, don't feel safe riding your bike down uh, Alexander Chakiela any more than uh, Christiana Baroniela, you can just ride your bike down down there. It goes uh, directly parallel to it. So that could be a solution for you, especially if they do kind of follow through on that plan. 
Um, another update to a story which we've been covering in quite some detail lately. Uh, this is one on the mural of uh, Riga Secondary School number 40. Uh, this is a um, uh, mural that was made in tribute to the very well-known artist uh, Gemma Schoolmay, who, uh, who uh, passed away uh, last year, uh, the painting by uh, Christians uh, Bretke. And, uh, you know, Otto and I have uh, talked about it. Otto actually described it because he's physically seen it in person. I've only seen photographs. But um, there is, uh, you know, the, the, the drawings are um, <laughs> definitely kind of, kind of in the eye of the beholder. Um, there, there are certain uh, members of uh, society uh, who find it very offensive, who have been trying to collect signatures to get it taken down. Um, you know, the art community has you know, kind of circled their wagons um, and, uh, you know, come out in support of this mural and, you know, pointed out again that, uh, you know, art is supposed to be something that, uh, you know, is also controversial and, you know, that, uh, you know, people who are finding, you know, um, I don't know, you know, vulgar undertones in it, you know, that's uh, that's on them necessarily, not that, that that's not the intention of the mural, but uh, the mural has been vandalized, apparently. So, um, you know, somebody has... Uh, uh, taken some red paint and and uh, you know um, made some made some adjustments to the mural, uh, which you know the art community uh, we're not a big fan of. Um, so uh, this is uh, you know something that is being uh, you know going to be uh, looked at by the police right now, um, and and I haven't heard any updates yet in that story, but uh, but probably next time you know we can uh, uh, say a little bit more on on what the situation is there. Speaking of bike lanes, uh, one group of people who should be using those bike lanes are electric scooters, who Otto and I have uh, <laughs> talked about quite a bit over the last uh, few years. Otto and I are both, you know, kind of um, grumpy old men when it comes to these scooters and, uh, you know, people who are very skeptical about them in general. And, you know, one reason why we are skeptical about them is they can be uh, quite dangerous. And in the uh, first eight months of this year, apparently, there have been 449 accidents involving electric scooters, which is, you know, almost three and a half times as much as the as the previous year, um, which is uh, definitely not a good situation, you know, and I'm, I'm not surprised about this because I see lots of people driving around these electric scooters, you know, either texting or, you know, not paying attention to the road, um, you know, so uh, please, please, please be careful if you are driving these electric scooters, um, you know, do so in, in ways that are legal and safe. You do not want to get a head injury or uh, cause a head injury by uh, by driving on these like a maniac. So so please 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 be careful. Another transportation related story. So uh, Rail Baltica. Uh, this is the project which Otto and I have talked about many 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 times. This is the project to, to connect the three Baltic capitals with the rest of Western Europe's high speed rail network, uh, which is a different gauge of rail than you know the gauge of rail which is most common here and also in. Uh, countries which were uh, occupied by the Soviet Union. One major kind of um, update here is that the overpass that will go over Lachplashiela is officially started as of the 2nd of September, uh, which is definitely exciting. I mean, it, it's, it's cool whenever I go to Riga and I'm able to see that uh, there is actually work happening on this because it's one of these kind of mystical things I've been hearing about my entire time in Latvia, you know, more than eight years already. And uh, it's nice to see some concrete work really being done on this, not just plans and, you know, tender processes, but, uh, you know, actually, uh, you know, diggers and, and, you know, jackhammers going. So uh, very excited to one day ride this. And Otto and I have promised uh, many times that we will eventually do an episode from Rail Baltica sometime.
we have to wait for that. For those of you who are fans of Asian chain restaurants, well, unfortunately, there is going to be one less. That is Tokyo City. And uh, they are claiming that they have been unfairly attacked by the state revenue service and uh, that they um, you know, are not going to be able to continue working anymore because of this massive unfair uh, tax debt. Uh, this was a decision on the uh, 9th of August that the state uh, revenue service um, made. So the chief executive of Tokyo City, uh, Galin Nigaile, has uh, said that uh, they um, didn't give any warnings, for example, uh, b before making this decision, and that uh, they're um, trying to collect uh, debts from three other companies, which uh, were liquidated, uh, Restocort, uh, Stolons, and Restograd, and, and uh, they're, since they weren't able to get that money, they are um, you know, uh, unfairly attacking Tokyo City, which is a completely different thing now. Um, but the State Revenue Service is saying that, uh, well, you know, what Tokyo City have been doing is just uh, changing names over and over and over again. Uh, they've changed names, uh, you know, multiple times and, you know, from, from these different companies as a way to escape uh, previous tax debts. Um, so they're, they're saying that, uh, you know, that is, uh, you know, going to have to uh, stop here. So we have this uh, kind of back and forth with uh, when it comes to tax debts between the State Revenue Service in Tokyo City. As of now, the uh, restaurant has seized operations. Uh, we will have to see what uh, will come out of this in, in the near future. So uh, if you are looking for Pan-Asian cuisine, you will have to go somewhere else uh, for now at least. Getting into some international stories, uh, we have been talking over the last few weeks about the situation on the border of Belarus, where there have been a large number of refugees who are coming in uh, and uh, under some uh, dubious circumstances, you know, we've talked previously about how the uh, Belarusian government, it seems like, has been assisting, you know, people to uh, to come over the border and, you know, potentially even kind of uh, advertising, uh, you know, as, as a way of getting into into the EU. Um, President Levitz came out very strongly in a um, address to Saima, Latvia's parliament, saying that this is not a refugee crisis, but this is hybrid warfare uh, that is being directed against the European Union's external border. Okay, and he pointed out uh, that, uh, you know, people who are under international law, refugees are able to, uh, you know, uh, seek an asylum status in the first uh, safe country that they arrive at, you know, leaving their own countries. But, you know, in, in this case, that would be Belarus, that would not be um, Latvia. And, and what they've been doing in Belarus is uh, submitting tourist visas and then, you know, being uh, either, you know, pushed across the border, helped across the border, as we've been hearing in different reports. Uh, this is something, you know, a, a situation which there has been a lot of kind of international uh, talk and collaboration on. So back on the 2nd of September, the parliamentary secretary for the Ministry of uh, Foreign Affairs, uh, this is uh, Zanda Kalninja Lukashevica, uh, Lu I think uh, the um, correct uh, pronunciation is. So she was meeting with uh, European Parliament's Committee on Foreign Affairs. And, uh, you know, there's because uh, there's a lot of discussion over this issue happening on the European level, obviously. You know, she was joined by other Baltic colleagues, uh, also from uh, Poland, you know, who have been affected by the situation, pointing out that, you know, uh, the, you know, again, the prevailing view that, they are uh, these uh, re um, migrants are being lured into uh, Belarus with uh, you know promises of uh, you know kind of easy ways of getting into the European Union, um, and that this is not uh, you know just a typical migrant situation. This is uh, specifically being directed by the Belarusian government. 
defense ministers from the three Baltic countries and also from Poland uh, did meet, or sorry, are going to meet in Riga on uh, Monday, the 13th of September. Uh, they're going to be discussing the uh, situation, the kind of ongoing uh, crisis, really, uh, which is facing this region. And also on the 9th and 10th of September, the Baltic Assembly uh, or delegations to the Baltic Assembly uh, met in Lithuania to to talk about this crisis. And, and for those of you who haven't heard of the Baltic Assembly before, uh, this is a uh, group that has been created by the three parliaments of the three Baltic states as a way to uh, discuss issues of importance like this in a uh, non-binding and kind of consultative way, but, uh, you know, as, as a way to, you know, for specifically for issues like this that uh, are relevant to all three of the Baltic countries and need a, um, you know, a strong response, especially. A lot of talk also about, uh, you know, strengthening the border between Latvia and Belarus. And, um, you know, there have been some fencing uh, that has, uh, that has been put up, um, so uh, right now there is a uh, 37 kilometers of uh, temporary barbed wire fencing that is being uh, created, kind of as a you know, little bit semi-permanent stopgap measure uh, that will be uh, ready in two months, according to this uh, press release by the uh, the border guard that they made um, a, a week ago. Uh, so there there are other measures that have been put into place. For example, you know there has been this kind of um, dirt strip which. Uh, you know, shows uh, footprints to, to keep track of how many people are going in there. But uh, but this is a little bit of a stronger uh, solution than than what, what we've uh, seen in the past. I mean, there, there has been fencing, obviously, in other, um, you know, in different parts of the border. But, but this is a, a very, very long section, you know, 39 kilometers. That's not something we've really seen in a long time. Uh, there's also been reports that a, uh, in a criminal process that's actually been started against an interpreter um, that uh, apparently helped four Iraqi citizens illegally cross the border and stay here. So this was an interpreter who was under the employment of the uh, border guard. So, um, you know, the, the, this is a uh, situation, again, I haven't heard a uh, update on this. Uh, this was the 1st of September that this uh, came out, or sorry, the 31st of August that this came out. Um, so uh, once we hear an update on this story, we will we will let you know. And uh, one other international story, which is a little bit more, um, I guess, uh, you know, positive to talk about, is uh, we officially have the first uh, resident ambassador to Australia. This is Mr. Um, Marjers Karams. So there is now a um, the Latvian embassy to Australia has been officially opened uh, a few months ago, but uh, there has not been a full-time ambassador there. There has been a uh, charge d'affaires. Who is kind of like a um, you know substitute ambassador or a temporary ambassador? So he is going to be the uh, first one who who uh, will be uh, fully fully functioning. And so he uh, got his uh, credentials from the president Agils Levitz, and he will be uh, presenting his credentials um, in Australia, I believe, um, to the uh, representative of the Queen, um, who who functions as the head of state, from what I understand, in uh, in Australia. But uh, Otto, if I have gotten that wrong. I'm sure you will correct me in the next episode. But uh, that just about does it for this episode of Latvia Weekly. I'm sorry that you did not get to hear Otto's takes and all these uh, very, very interesting stories. Uh, he will 
most likely be back next time. Uh, I really look forward to uh, being able to uh, record with him again in person. But, uh, you know, he's had a very, very busy week, you know, uh, doing his amazing work. Um, also with this uh, media toolkit that the uh, Baltic uh, Security Foundation has been uh, putting together, I really look forward to using it with my uh, students as well, because uh, I, I do teach media uh, and not just English. So for those of you um, who listened for the first time, I hope you enjoyed this episode and you will be back for more, that this was entertaining and uh, that this was informative and worth your time. And for those of you who've been listening uh, to many episodes, thank you for coming back every week. Thank you especially to Kean, our amazing, amazing, amazing uh, story of the week editor on the Facebook page, basically the, you know, our Facebook administrator, uh, you know, who, who does an awesome job of keeping our Facebook page up to date. You can go there every day and find stories of the day to keep you updated uh, more than just once a week. And until next time, Riesel Obvisium. <laughs>